Hi everyone, welcome to The Charge Podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's episode with Kate Lemire. Kate Lemire is a fitness expert here in Chicago. She's also a Barry's boot camp instructor and she's also on their corporate team. She is incredible. She has also just been a, such a source of inspiration for me and for the Charge community. So if you don't follow her already, make sure you do so. She also has an awesome blog called The 4% that you should check out. This episode is all Q&A. That's literally all it is, just random questions, all of them that you asked on Instagram. So thank you so much for that. And we just answer your questions one by one. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. It is a relatively short one. And if you have any other health and wellness questions that you would love for Kate to answer eventually, just DM us and we will definitely include that in a future episode with her. All right, let's dive into your questions. We have a lot of random questions. They are all across the board for you. Okay, the first one, this will be an easy one. What are your three favorite fast meals that you make? That I make. Okay, my first favorite <laughs> is um, old-fashioned oats with egg whites and then berries, fruit, or any type of like sweet topping, maybe a little bit of maple syrup. Um, that's so easy. It's so delicious, and it's super filling, so I love that. Um, right now, my favorite meal to make is tuna um, with a little bit of dry ranch seasoning, just like a tablespoon. Mix it all up, um, like chop up some celery or pickles, put it in, and then scoop it with uh, uh, pretzel crisp. Super, super good. And then another meal that I like to make um, is just throwing chicken breast or chicken thighs in the instant pot, which I is my most highly utilized kitchen gadget or appliance. Um, the instant pot, um, and then just shred it and top it with some um, avocado slices and pico de gallo, and then wrap it in a tortilla or you know put it on on a uh, bed of fresh grains. So super Yum. easy. Yeah. I've been loving tuna lately too, which is so I, weird. I used to hate tuna. Same. It's like I'm that like smell so, is so gross. I'm like I know. upset. And now I have it like three times a week. I have it's it like the so max good. amount you should have it. I know. No, I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, I can only have two tuna cans this week. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Everything is cyclical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what should you say to someone when they talk badly about their own body? It's really hard. Um, we all, we all do. We all have these really negative thoughts about ourselves. And if... I'm thinking it about myself. I think, you know, there's a different way we got to approach this. And if my friend is saying it, I I respond like, you know, don't talk about my girl that way or, you know what, like I don't I don't think this is what we should focus on or a little bit of solidarity because like we're all in this together. Um but now so more than ever, we have got to break free of the chains that our societal standards hold us to where women have to look perfect we have to be super thin there's like one or two body types that we're all coveting um every magazine movie instagram post everything is edited we see what people in an office want us to see and we identify problems 
that marketers who are selling a product create. And we, we, we got to stop. And it's going to take every single one of us um, to push back and hold the brands that we want to support to a higher standard. But it, it has to start with us. Um, so we can't be like picking our body apart. And unfortunately, I think if you're like looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so beautiful and you don't believe it, that that creates a little bit of a counterproductive backlash because you just kind of get frustrated that you're like saying this mantra and you don't believe it. So you have to kind of neutralize it. I like, you know, with our, with my body, everyone has their something, right. That they don't like, or that they wish they would change. And for me, it's the cellulite on my hamstrings. And for so long, I vilified it for so long. I was like, I'll be happy when that cellulite is minimized. Well, it's never been minimized. And even when it was minimized, I was too in the trenches to know that it was minimized. And I was like, never, I never found that happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. And now when I look in the mirror and I see it, I just think to myself, I have a human body and those are human legs with the anatomy that humans have. And it is what it is. And it's not bad. It's not good. It doesn't have to be anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I just, time is going by so fast. Like you guys, I'm going to be 35 this year. I'm going to be 35, which you cannot tell because I have amazing Botox. Um, but like time goes by so fast and like, I just don't want to waste it anymore. Like not wearing shorts because I don't think I should, or like putting a pair of jeans in the back of my closet to be like, Oh, maybe one day I'll wear these again. Like don't go to Zara and like buy a pair of jeans like that fit you. Like Mm -hmm. you'll be so much happier and you can stop thinking about it. So when, you know, someone says like, I I'm uncomfortable with the weight gain. You, my, my, my response is, well, what's been going on? Like what, what's up in life? And then usually it's like, it's the job, it's the stepkids, it's the stress. It's, it's something else. It's like, okay, so that's really what you're unhappy about. And Mm -hmm. it's manifesting in, in some emotional eating or you're not getting to the gym and that's okay. Like, let's kind of take what, let's focus on one thing at a time. And then it kind of, you're like, oh, you get that like relief of like, this actually is kind of manageable now. And I can decipher what's up and know how to tackle it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you have to address something that's making you uncomfortable, like outside of the gym in your kitchen. That's a really good point. Yeah, there's typically an underlying reason. We were talking about this earlier. Like there's so much thought work that goes into fitness that has totally gotten erased from the conversation because we're so preoccupied with aesthetics and then like the instant gratification or timeline to get there. Like in reality, it's going to take a long time. In reality, it's really hard. The reality is you can absolutely do a 10-day detox or a 30-day detox. The reality is when you're done with it, if you are not super strategic about your reverse or your reentry into air quotes normal life, your body, which is optimized for fat gain, will gain the weight back if you're not, if you're not careful. That is the reality. It will be harder and take longer to use it the next time around. That's the reality. So if you have a fire under your ass, like that's fine, but you just have to accept like, okay, this is going to be the circumstance. Um, and if you are not prepared for that and like the impacts and the consequences, positive and negative that can come from it, um, you know, that can be a rude awakening. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Did you read the book Anti-Diet? No, I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I'm like, I just started. I'm only on like chapter two, but so far so good. My reading list is obscene. Oh yeah, I think oh, I got 300 books they, there on There are so my list. many books, but I'm going to add that. I'm going to bump into the top. Mm-hmm. What are your tips for mindfully eating when depression and anxiety make you lose your appetite? Oh man, I mean, eating when you're hungry is a skill. Stopping eating when you're full, that's a skill, right? Um, I think when you have no appetite, um, making something super like palatable and then like easy is key. So maybe it's a smoothie or it's a shake that you can, you know, put a straw in and then kind of suck down just to get nutrients and something in your system. You you don't want to get to a point where you're starving and then you're just reaching for anything and then over consuming because that's not going to make you feel good either. So when I have no appetite, I'm just kind of like, all right, what's something that can give me like calories that is something I can stomach? Um, I know your listeners are younger, but when you're pregnant for the first mm-hmm. time um, or when you're pregnant in the first trimester, you know, you have you have these thoughts of like, oh, my God, I'm going to eat so healthy. But then you're like, oh, my God, I'm so nauseous and I mm-hmm. don't feel like eating. So you just eat whatever you can hold down. And when you're feeling depressed or really emotional and you have no appetite, sometimes it's the same way. So, you know, carbohydrates give you energy. Protein makes you feel full. Fat is delicious and fairly comforting. So you have to kind of like figure out like what you know I need to get some sustenance what's it going to be maybe that looks like a shake maybe it looks like a perfect bar maybe it looks like something just like super dense you know you're scooping out the flesh of an avocado and just eating that mm-hmm. um when you're not hungry sometimes you're just like all right what can I put in my body that will tide me over until I'm in a better space to like make this decision mm-hmm. and that's like when you're sick or you know when yeah, you're nauseous from pregnancy right. or just you know maybe you had a little too much to drink the night before and you not that any of the anyone listening has been there um but you have a little bit too much to drink and then you wake up the next morning and you're like okay I really I'm not in the headspace to like make a decision about what I should eat like you know what can I what can just tide me over right now mm-hmm. mm, I like that nice and easy yes. easy foods what advice do you have for avoiding nightly binge eating um eating enough during the day giving yourself the permission to eat. Um, we, we see this all the time, right? We experience this all the time. We restrict our eating or we diet all day. We're feeling really good. But then we, we come home and we're like faced with our pantry or our fridge or our freezer. And then, you know, once we start, we can't stop. Um, we talk about this in foundation. Eating competency is about being reliable and trustworthy to give yourself enough food that not only fuels you, but nourishes you and makes you feel good. Um, And a lot of us don't have that. A lot of us do not trust ourselves to give ourselves food when we're hungry and like the permission to eat. So I, I tell people if you are snacking, that's not a problem. That's a side effect. Um, Your original meal, your main meal is not doing it for you. If you have these like prolonged food thoughts and like as soon as you're done eating, you're thinking about when you're going to eat next, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. How should you respond when people make comments that are pro-diet culture? I just ask why, why that thought's coming 
to them or why they believe a certain thing. All of these myths or all of these rules stem from somewhere and they are applicable in context. There's a reason why things rise to popularity, right? But you have to understand what that rule is responding to and the problem that it's trying to solve. And then once you understand, oh, like that's, that's why, that doesn't really apply to me. You don't really feel like you have to abide by it. An example I can give is um, if your friend is on, you know, Whole30 and she's like, well, I just like, you know, I just quit dairy. And you're like, well, then I have to quit dairy. But like you love, you know, cheese or, you know, your bowl of ice cream at the end of the day is like really satisfying for you. And cutting those things out does more harm than good. You know, Whole30 restricts a ton of food so that you're in a deficit. That's what, that's what it is. Whole30 kicks you into a deficit whether you know it or not. And that's why your friend lost weight. If you are not trying to lose weight or you, you want to lose a couple of pounds, but your deficit is being met in other ways, even with the bowl of ice cream, you can have your bowl of ice cream. Um, another example is like, you know, eating every two hours. If you are a person who overeats, if you don't eat every couple of hours, that's a great rule for you. If you're a person that's just fine having three big meals, you don't have to eat every two hours. You know, there's nothing, you know, there's no like science behind, you know, you have to stoke your metabolism or you have to keep your metabolism going. Like the body doesn't know. The body's like, are we going, is it going to be winter? Are we hibernating in a cave? Is there a bear that we're running from? Like what's going on? Like that, our bodies are literally that primitive still. So um, it, all these rules, came to light because someone like cherry picked some data and was like, this is why. And then we kind of like cling on to that because sometimes it's just, it's easier to believe something than to have all this flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. How do you maximize lean bulk and what's a good rule of thumb for how much time to spend in bulk? It's going to be different for everyone, mm-hmm. um, and it depends how long you've been dieting. It depends on your lean mass. It depends on how much muscle you want to put on. Um, there, there are different schools of thought for all of this, and there are a lot of professionals that believe you know you don't need to do a traditional bulk in order to um, recomp your body. There's a lot of People who think a bulk is an eight-month-plus process. When I did mine, mine was five months, um, and that was, that was fine for me. Um, it, it really just depends. The difference between a bulk, a surplus, and a lean bulk is terminology. It's all the same thing. It's intentionally putting on um, scale weight and body mass. Um, when you're in an energetic surplus, you're eating a lot of food, um, your body will store that either in muscle tissue or in your fat cells. Fat cells are the body's preferred storage container. So we associate like eating, you know, bad foods, you know, quote unquote, bad foods or junk foods with fat. And if we're overeating, you know, chicken breast and broccoli, that'll go to our muscles. Like that's, that's not the case. We don't have control over that. Your body Mm. will decide for you. Um, so the lean bulk is kind of like a misnomer. Um, but you, there's no there's no reason to put on like 30 pounds of scale weight. Um, it doesn't have to be that severe or aggressive. Um, um, sometimes a moderate 
surplus or even maintenance will help you get there. So that's a question that you can't really answer unless you have history, you have context, you have goals. And like, if you've been dieting forever, like maybe, maybe you're not ready to do anything. Maybe you need to kind of like take a break for a second. Um, you know, maybe you've been in a bulk or you've been saying you've been been in a bulk as a way to just, you know, eat whatever you want. And like, that's not the right headspace either. So it's kind of like a loaded question. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things to think about, but I would say, you know, if you were looking to, you know, go through a surplus for the first time, it's at least a five month process. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Cause I was wondering about the timeline and then when thinking about cuts, what would you say to that in terms of timeline? The same amount of time. Five months. I mean, the same amount of time as your um, surplus, mm, okay. at, at least. Got it. I mean, it, the just depending on your adherence and how aggressive you are, like that, that's gonna shift. Um, it really is such an like a unique and individual process. Um, but usually, you know, I'm using air quotes. They say, however long you are in a surplus for, that's how long the cut will be, and however long you diet is how long you should take off, to just like you know give your body a chance mm-hmm. to reach, you know, that that to like level out Mm -hmm. for you what does it look like for deciding your next goal and deciding okay this is how long I want it to take this is my operation to get there what does that look like for you um it it looks like you know how much how long is this work realistically going to take when i when i did my first um surplus i had been dieting for 2 years after my son was born um and i was over it but also actually the last time i was on this podcast inspired mm. me because remember mm. when i was like i hate my legs i'm never going to have nice legs i was like what a bad oh my message gosh. to like put out into the world like this defeatist attitude so i was like maybe i just need to try something different so um um, yeah, wow, this is really coming full circle. Wow. Um, and seven yeah. years of your blog. This is just this, I, this is, is this is a day. Wow. Um I so I was like, you know what, I think I want to put some energy to this and um, you know, or I'm I'm fairly lean right now. I can't take my calories down any lower, nor do I want to. Um I've been dieting for a really long time. I'm gonna do this. So I I went through a reverse where I got myself back up to maintenance and then slowly went into a surplus. Um it, it took me a second to get into the surplus because when you're not eating a lot of food and then you're like eating a lot of food you're like what do I do with all this food like I'm not even hungry anymore it's like a job to eat to eat so much if you're not used to um so I was like realistically how long is this work going to take and then I actually bought um an ebook and then three pdfs of different plans from trainers who I trusted and they're they're not influencers or just credentialed um, to compare the methods to like find the industry best practice. And I did a lot of research for it. Um, But for me, I I was like, okay, I know I technically should do a little longer than this, but this is just the timeframe that I'm working with before COVID, my husband and I were like, should we try to have another baby, you know, after Luke turns two? So that was kind of my timeline where it was like, I, I kind of want to go through this process before um, we try to have another kid because I don't want to be so focused on this that I'm not like enjoying time with my family or feeling like, you know, I have to do other things. So um, that was the timeline. But now, mm. you know, I would say, if you're like, well, I have a trip to Miami in a couple of weeks, like, no, no, no. Like, y- you got to think way, way out because <laughs> mm-hmm. all this stuff takes a really long time. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I wanted to ask about kids. So someone first asked, how do you know when it's the right time to have a kid? Oh my God, you're never going to know. But I think when you and your partner are like, you know, talking about it and your partner's supportive and you're, you know, financially in a situation where it wouldn't be a huge burden to Which, how do you have know that like what is that I mean we kind of like looked at child care we looked at what you know it would be to have a nanny um you know my husband is five years older than me so he was kind of like well I don't want to you know I'm, I'm kind of ready because like I I feel like I want to be a little younger as opposed to older so we have like guys so I have energy and I'm like it doesn't matter about you like I'm the one having the kid um but I mean you're you're not going to ever be like I'm ready to have a kid right now. Let's try. Like some women are, I was not. And even now, like, you know, when you're, we're thinking about expanding our family, I'm like, is this the kind of world I want to bring a kid into? Like I am one of five kids and like always had like a ton of activity growing up. And that's what I wanted for my son. But it's a it's a different age. Like living in Chicago, houses are expensive, daycare is expensive, everything's really expensive. Financial turmoil is stress that you know will take even the strongest, happiest person down. So being able to live within your means, I think, is you know important. Um, but just now, you know, Luke is you know almost two and a half. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm I think okay, I think we should talk about having that. Like, I'm just starting to like get to that place where I'm like, you know, I see a baby and I'm like, oh, but like I was never like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when we started trying, I was like, I. I'm not ready, but this will probably take a second. So mm-hmm. I'll like get ready. And then it, it, we were so lucky that it happened right away. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I have to be ready. Right. Oh my gosh. Ah. How can you help a friend who counts calories and doesn't want to seek help? I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with counting calories. Um, If the behavior is, um, you know, in your mind, obsessive or toxic or detrimental, um, it's not it's not really your problem to solve. Like, I think like as women, we want to fix everything. Um, but you know, what happens when you talk to a girlfriend about her boyfriend, it, they get super defensive. They don't really want to hear it. You know, this it's the same thing with the body kind of, if you have a girlfriend who stays in because she has to wake up early or, you know, she isn't eating at a restaurant because she's like worried about, you know, the weight, like it's, if you confront her, um, you may be met with a combative response. So I would encourage you to identify the difference between unhealthy behavior versus like behavior that you may think is just unhealthy or that isn't what you really want to do. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to change your body. Um, if you go, if you start adopting problematic behaviors, um, it's not necessarily up to you to help solve like people with protective titles should be, you know, doing that work and leading that process. So if you're genuinely worried, you know, you could say like, hey, like I've I've noticed this and I, I kind of wanted to learn more about why you're doing this. Or I just wanted to remind you, like you're loved, you're perfect how you are. Like, you know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. Um, and just be kind of supportive, but also know that like it isn't inherently bad to want to diet or change your body. But, you know, we have to know 
what we want and why we want it. And a lot of us don't know. Um, so it kind of, it kind of starts there, but people kind of have to learn things for themselves. And sometimes we have to come to those conclusions on our own. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the best that you can do is just be a good support system. Mm. How has diet culture been harmful in the perception of other women and our bodies? It's really, really destructive. It's super toxic. We all have, you know, this thought that there's a certain way to look, there's a certain way to be, there's a certain ideal body, and it's just not like that. You know, if you take a look around you at any point in time, every single person around you is so different and has a different body and a different genetic makeup. And to say, like, you know, thinness is the standard, um, or like, or curves is the goal, like genetically that like just may not be possible for you. And women who set these standards often have resources that aren't available to other people, whether it be money or time or, you know, plastic, you know, or editing tools. Like we just, it's just not realistic. Um, it's also just like rooted in a lot of like archaic capitalism and, you know, patriarchy. And it's up to us to kind of steer this conversation. So I think like when you're looking at Instagram, you got to know what you're looking at. When someone's, you know, reaching out to you being like, hey, do you want to try this product? Like you got to know what the product is meant to do. Like if marketing says it works, great. Like does it actually work? What's the science? Who are the testimonies written by? Um, You have to be super discerning. And like really there is a cost to being lean. And I would say most of the time it's too high. So you have to figure out like what you're willing to do um, and what you're willing to sacrifice um, so that you're able to structure your life in a way that like feels fulfilling and like lines up with your values. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And again, like I said in the intro, if you have any questions at all that you would like answered on health, wellness, nutrition, whatever it is, DM us and we will include it in a future episode. Also, I know that Kate typically does Sunday Q&As as well. So you can head to her Instagram and look out for that because I know that that is something that she likes to do with her community as well. Have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, charge girls, good morning. Yes, I'm talking to you. It's time to get charged up because this day is new. The sky says hi and it's bluer than blue. The sun is shining and all the birds are chirping too. Today is the best day to be alive. The miracles appear once you open up your eyes. Surprise, time to keep living your dreams. So get up and join the rest of your charge team.